This is Manukha Talks, our new regular podcast where we take some of the complex issues around motherhood and untangle them. I'm Rifki Dweck. And I'm Friday Zanga. Together, we set up Manukha, the charity for perinatal issues that affect mothers and, by definition, new fathers too. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about bonding with your baby. The emotions that are supposed to be instinctive, automatic, but sometimes it's a very different story. Today, we are welcoming Sue Shreya to our podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Please tell us about yourself, Sue, and your work with Manukha. Well, thank you very much for inviting me. Yes, I occupy the role at Manuka of parent-infant psychotherapist. I'm also an adult psychotherapist, so I do see women on their own. But parent-infant psychotherapy is a different modality where we really are focusing on the relationship. We even think of the patient or client as the relationship between mother and baby predominantly. But of course, dad is a very important Um, participant in this but we usually see mothers and babies and we're concentrating on the relationship between um, the two and how that can be promoted and supported and helped when women run into trouble. Thank you and we're really happy to have you on board. (laughs) Both (laughs) for the podcast. Amazing work. Both for the podcast and 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 on our team. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to work with you. (laughs) Um, so, can you give us some examples of when someone would benefit from PIP work? We call it PIP, parent-infant psychotherapy, mm-hmm. and what it would feel and look like. So, I suppose what's useful is to define the perinatal period, which is actually right from the very beginning, right from conception through to about 18 months. And we parent-infant psychotherapists will also see women who are running into difficulties when they're pregnant, perhaps not feeling the kind of attachment that they might hope to feel or that is optimal to feel um, during the early stages of pregnancy, where they're beginning to, you know, where the baby is coming alive, not only in their body, but in their mind as 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 an individual little person. They may in an optimal situation, have given the baby a nickname or they may be rubbing their tummy, they may be talking to the baby. But women who are struggling at this time really feel quite cut off emotionally from that little being that's growing. In terms of the work with a mother and a baby, as I've said earlier, what is central is the relationship, the attachment between the two of them. And what is different about parent-infant psychotherapy is that the baby is present. The baby comes to the session and um, the baby symbolically and literally is the focus of our attention. We sit on the floor with the baby on the mat, um, very much in the centre of the room and in the centre of our minds um, to be thought about by mum, by the therapist, to be um, reflected on, to be observed. To some extent, the therapist will model um, certain interactions. Um, So in terms of who would come to that kind of session, the kind of cases that Manuka would um, give to me 
would be women who, you know, just are not feeling perhaps that rush of love that they hope to, that they might feel quite dissociated from their baby. They may just not feel at all um, able to respond to the baby in a loving way. They may, may feel quite disconnected. Um, they may, this may be as a result of um, a traumatic birth. It might be not a traumatic birth, but just the gargantuan effect of an event of, of giving birth, of having a baby. It's, it's often um, not really uh, thought of in, in, in those terms. Um, so that's the kind of client who would come my way, really. Obviously, there's a whole spectrum of difficulty. I think at Manuka, we probably see mild to moderate cases when it is much more severe and the baby is maybe in danger. Um, that would be a case maybe for going um, to another um, service. Yeah, definitely hand in hand with psychiatric services. Yes, like yes, hand in hand with psychiatric. Okay. Can we just come back to women that are pregnant? Yeah, I was wondering that because you said yeah. you have the babies with you in the room. But what about someone who's, let's say, pregnant and actually doesn't doesn't feel anything? Yeah, well, that's a really good question because, believe it or not, um, I do have a doll baby <laughs> who represents the baby who's coming. And we also still sit on the floor and sit on the mat. And we might refer to this doll baby. Um, so that that can begin the very slow process of a baby perhaps coming alive in the mother's emotional world, in the mother's um, mind okay. as a reality. Okay, and would that refer to fathers as well? Fathers ambivalent to their wives giving birth? Yes, indeed, and, and that's a very good point to make. Um, Parent-infant psychotherapy, we, we tend to think of it as being with the threesome of the mother, the baby, and the therapist. But we really welcome fathers. And some of the best work that I feel, you know, the most satisfying work and, and the most helpful work has been when the parental couple is there. Because however father is feeling about the baby, and perhaps he's feeling very bonded to the baby, he is having to support a wife who perhaps is feeling the opposite or, or really not feeling that at all and we also know that the emotional participation and involvement of fathers from the very beginning has enormous um you know it's evidence-based that that has enormous um impacts on the child going forward can we just stay with the pregnancy and then go because mm. we're talking now about the perinatal period and just for the listeners out there the the definition is conception until some people say a year post-birth, some people say 18 months post-birth. Mm -hmm. Although in Manoha, we do see women who are planning a pregnancy as well. But I think parent-infant psychotherapy would mainly be women in the perinatal period. Would you agree with that? Or yes, yes, it would. It would, would certainly be from conception through to you know, about 18 months. We tend not to take on a case when a baby is, say, 11 months. Mm. But say we've seen a baby and mother... Um, dyad from the very beginning mm. then if if it's appropriate mm. and needed we might continue seeing mm. until 18 months right okay let's stay with with pregnant women right now what what sort of feelings and blockages do, do you encounter in your work 
that might affect a woman's relationship with her unborn baby. And maybe we can also talk about how important bonding in utero is as well. Mm. Well, I think we now know um, that it's very important. I think there have been enough... um, There's been enough research really to show us that it is very important. In terms of what might block a mother's uh, burgeoning attachment to this growing baby, it might be that this was an unwanted pregnancy. So she is somewhat shutting it out of her mind. It might be um, that she's terrified of giving birth that she doesn't really want to face the reality of what's coming and as the baby gets bigger perhaps it gets more and more frightening Um, also we have a situation that has been called ghosts in the nursery and that comes from an academic paper that was written in the 70s by somebody called Selma Freiberg which really documents the huge impact of one's own childhood and infancy and the sort of template we ourselves have of babies, mothering, parenting. And if a mother has had adverse um, childhood experiences and doesn't have a very positive resource inside, you know, a positive template, that can also be a very, very frightening prospect to become a mother herself and that could also be another reason for blocking it out dissociating Mm. from it Mm. there are also other issues you know there might be financial issues that make a baby at the moment very difficult there might be a very large family that mother's already struggling with and the idea of another baby although maybe she does have capacity to nurture and love it but is actually going to create great difficulties there are housing difficulties another baby Mm. where are we going to put this new baby I guess relationship as well and of course there are relationship difficulties couple Mm. um, difficulties are you on the same page with your no with your husband did you both want this baby Mm. was it something that um, your husband very much wanted and you didn't Mm -hmm. Um, maybe it's already a strained relationship and there are worries about another baby. I'm wondering what does the bonding look like? Say, what, what does it look like? What does, is it talking to the baby? Uh, you mentioned rubbing your stomach. You know, what, 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 what is the relationship between a mother and an unborn child? Okay, so you're, you're not talking about a clin- in a clinical sense or a, a therapeutic sense. You're talking about what, what, would, what would yeah. naturally happen what, in what an optimal... Like? Exactly. In, in, in a normal, so-called normal mm-hmm. um, environment, you would say, you know, oh, you know, she's bonded so nicely mm. with her unborn baby. What does mm. that look like? What does it okay. entail? Mm. Well, it's a very important question. I think, um, as we know, a, a baby has enormous potentialities and capacities from birth but they can only be brought online in a relationship with an adult through uh, a kind of what we call serve and return, a kind of, if you like, something like a conversation that will go on between a mother and a baby. There's a communication of give and take. So that's something that um, some mothers are able to do very naturally, and that might involve... You know, the eye contact, really looking at the baby. It might be a mother who is 
really has capacity to try to imagine what it's like to be a baby, because we call that mentalization, um, to imagine the baby as completely separate from her. So that when baby cries, she's able to think, oh, maybe he's hungry, maybe he's cold, maybe he's uncomfortable, rather than, I'm a useless mother, he's attacking me, you know. Um, so in other words, can really see the baby as, as separate. There are things like um, mimicking, you know, when you have a baby in front of you and the baby sticks out <laughs> its tongue. If mother does the same, that creates a, a, a real um, relationship between the two of you. And incidentally, babies at 10 minutes old can mimic. <laughs> so it can be very exciting for a mother to realise that baby does have all these capacities and that she can help bring them alive. Yeah. The other thing that you might see in, a, in an optimal situation is a mother using what we call mother ease, talking to her baby in a sort of sing-song, rhythmical way, um, where there's, oh, hello, baby. Oh, you look bright this morning you know that kind of slower emphasized way of speaking it's like mother's song to her baby and it's very containing for the baby babies need what we call containment and that comes in the form of physical containment so they do need to be held they do need to be stroked and soothed and um, picked up that helps contain their bodies and and their their kind of inner world but they can also be provided with containment in an emotional way by a mother really trying to tune in to her baby's mood you know so if the baby is a little bit fretful not giving the baby a, a sort of very happy face but actually tuning in having an aligned sort of um response to the, to so the baby sad. oh yes <laughs> you, you look sad today yeah. um and that really validates for the baby it, its feelings mm. you know that, that these are all right to have so you hear some women say that they, they have their baby and they're, they're doing everything for their baby they're going through the motions they really do want to feel this love and you know, compassion and just this rela a relationship with the baby, and yet they just can't feel mm -hmm. what they feel they should be feeling, mm -hmm. um, and that's something that we we do see. Mm -hmm. Well, absolutely, and first of all, to say that this is a very very common experience. Um, you know, I hesitate to use the word normalize because. Obviously, there are women who instantly bond, but there are many, many women who do not get this instant rush of love, who are suffering maybe from a, a very difficult birth. They may be exhausted. It might have been a traumatic birth. There, there could be lots of other factors around how they're feeling. I think we know, maybe it's become a bit of a cliche, but we are surrounded by blissful images of mothers and babies. You know, when you see any sort of promotional material around products to do with mothers and babies, we're not, <laughs> we see such blissful yeah. images. I think that's very, very difficult. I think women can very quickly 
be beset by, you know, shame and a feeling of blame, a feeling of insufficiency, inadequacy, I'm not good enough. I think it's really, really important to, you know, let listeners know that this happens such a lot and it can take time. Sometimes it takes a bit of professional intervention to help. Sometimes it just gradually comes um, in, it, in its own time. But um, it, it, this is something we see a lot of. This is not unusual. It helps enormously to be able to say it out loud in a confidential place where you feel safe, um, where you don't feel judged. I think also there are cultural um, requirements and demands around being very, very happy that you have brought forth new life, um, that that's difficult if you're not feeling it. So uh, I, I would would try to um, really emphasize that this is not at all uncommon. Um, a very famous pediatrician working in the last century famously talked about being a good enough mother. We really should not be striving for perfection. There's no such thing. And it's also been... Um, discovered that actually if we can get it if we can get the bonding fairly attuned for 30 percent of the time then we're we're doing a good job wow. <laughs> yeah so saying that you know every every mother automatically loves their baby and as soon as the baby's born there's this mm. warm fuzz mm. that just mm. envelops you both is not necessarily true no it really isn't and, and that's normal and that can be quite normal and it, it may come later um it may come a lot later um, it may need professional help, or it may just be something that very normally happens. It takes time. Going through a birth, and a, maybe a difficult birth or a traumatic birth or any birth, is a very, very, very big event. And I don't think that's made enough of. And women, for all sorts of reasons, they might just feel exhausted. They might have lost a lot of blood. They might just not be able or have capacity at that time mm. to feel the kind of um, stereotypical feelings around instant fuzzy love. Yeah. I think the bottom line is in attachment that in an optimal way needs to happen is that the baby needs to set up what are called expectancies that they will be responded to. And that becomes a way of the baby feeling that there's going to be consistent care, that they can predict what's going to happen, that they can feel secure, mm. that they can feel securely attached because it, it's, it's consistent. I do want to bring it back though to the pregnancy. So that's when you actually have a baby. Yeah. But what about in the nine months beforehand? What does bonding with your baby look like then? Yes. Well, in an optimal situation, I think... Um, a pregnant woman will begin to be very noticing of what's going on in her body. She will begin to notice the movements when they do come eventually. Um, she may begin to be curious, you know, about the development of the baby. She may, you know, really be rubbing her tummy and talking to her um, embryo, Thanks. making a relationship with with this baby it may be that she has 
some sort of massage that, that helps promote that. Um, couples sometimes create a little nickname for the baby and they talk to the baby together. Perhaps they will sing to the baby. Uh, perhaps they'll play music. Um, I think it's all in the service of gradually bringing forth the reality of a person. Um, so I, I guess, guess even having conversations about buying the buggy, buying the cot, mm. you know, if it's a girl, what should we call it? If it's a boy, what should we call it? You know, all these hypothetical conversations mm. is also in a way bonding with the unborn yes, baby. Yes, indeed, because, you know, it's meaning that the baby's in, in the mind. But that doesn't have quite the same emotional content. You know, that that's important but perhaps that's more in the realm of operational you know we need this we need that and that can sometimes be a bit of a, a kind of deflection from okay uh, not, not necessarily it can also yeah. it, you know it can be both things you know it can be both things um, but I think it really is very much about talking and um, um, having a growing sense that, that a person a little human is coming <laughs> yeah but also coming back to something you said before it's a human who is its own human. It, it has its own feelings. Yes. It has its own wants. Yes. Desire. Yeah, I, yes. I'm going to keep going feelings. Yes. It's someone that might be upset at times and, and it's its own. It's its own. And I think a lot of what we see the struggles is mum seeing the baby as a reflection of them. Yes. And their, the way that they are behaving or the yes. way that they feel the baby should behave sort of yes. I've done, you know the baby is in a routine it should well no your baby doesn't want to do x mm. right now mm. we, we do see quite a bit of that yes but it's really seeing the baby as its own person as as you're bringing this new person into the world yes um, yes that is critically yeah. important and i think um you know that is the definition of mentalization yeah. being able to see that the baby has its own feelings has its own personality yeah, has its own predispositions from the very beginning um, and that the behavior is you know like a lot of crying for example is not an attack on the mother's mothering mm. it, it is the only way a baby can communicate something and there is a spectrum of sensitivity mm. you know some babies are I much need. easier to handle and that is not necessarily about the handling I mean obviously mm -hmm. the handling is is very very important but there is a spectrum of sensitivity and some babies are more fretful mm. and it's not to do with a mother's deficiency in her mothering or I think that's really interesting to think of the baby as an actual human because usually until they start interacting more you don't think of them mm. as a person you think mm. of them as the baby it needs feeding it needs mm. changing cleaning but you don't actually think of it as as like you said like a human mm. absolutely and I think that something that I really try to help mothers with is to start really observing their baby really look at what that tiny baby's doing because I think that kind of dismissal of the baby as a human but just something that needs attending to is yeah. is is you know very detrimental if we begin to really observe our baby there are such nuanced behaviors you know in the face in the, the way the baby holds his body um look at the way the hands are being held is the baby 
very stiff? Is the baby relaxed? You know, what makes the baby, what captures the interest of the baby? What captures the gaze of the baby? You may notice a little light on the ceiling and sort of notice that the baby's rather drawn to that. Mm. What about, you know, how how long can the baby tolerate an interaction with you? Um, when does baby turn the head away? Mm. Um, uh, and is mum able to kind of gauge yeah. that? Yeah. Something which I've heard you say, Sue, which has also been interested, which has always interested me, is when you say that some babies are too good and that... Can you elaborate on that? Mm. Well, in situations where there are uh, kind of adverse um, conditions um, and where a mother really doesn't have capacity to attend optimally to her baby, a baby sometimes really picks that up Mm. and almost gives up protesting. And something I say to encourage mothers is when your baby's screaming, you know, your baby's found its protest, its voice. It has an expectation you're going to do something about yeah. it. And that's really healthy. Mm-hmm. It, occasionally we do see babies who have given up mm. because the expectancies that I mm. talked about earlier haven't really been established. Mm. There was that study in, was it Czechoslovakia? I think it was of the babies in the orphanage when no one had responded yeah. to them. Yeah. Just they awful. give up. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it's so important. And actually, when you yeah. see that happening, it is very... It's heartbreaking. Heartbreaking, sobering, startling. But babies will give up. Yeah. Also, it's about age appropriateness because yeah. a tiny baby... Yeah. It's really harmful to leave that tiny baby Fourth screaming. screaming. Yeah. Maybe... Your two-year-old, who's, <laughs> you know, maybe that's different. You know, it's, well, it's, it's about to do one with they can understand. And yes, yeah. no, I suppose it's a difference between a temper tantrum of a of a two three-year-old and and a helpless baby old. who only yeah. has this communication to, to, to let you know. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's all it has at its disposal. Yeah. Um. So, are you able to explain something that you mentioned before? Ghosts in the nursery. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What, what are we talking about here? Well, what we're talking about here really is the way an adult's own experiences of being a child or an infant can really be drivers for how they maybe feel about their baby, how they respond to their baby, um, how they feel about mothering, how they feel about parenting. It can sometimes really act as a template And sometimes parents find themselves saying and doing things and they don't quite know where it came from. And in therapy, in parent-infant psychotherapy, we've got a little time and space to think about that together Mm. and try and make the link, perhaps, that actually I don't think this is about now. This is about something in the past. And, you know, to be able to kind of make links, to unravel some of it, to you know, have a space to be able to talk about the thoughts and feelings around that. Um, Because we all hold what in psychoanalytic terms um, are called objects, you know, the figures inside us that are kind of benign, Mm. good objects. and Sometimes they're not good objects. Um, We may have a parental couple 
our own parents that is a benign template Mm. or not so the or something in between (laughs) the expression you're becoming your mother is not not so um so far off there is a psychological um it makes sense in a way you know there is yes it's a colloquial way of maybe expressing something deeper yeah i want to talk more about the fathers um and and their relationship with the baby because a lot of time during the pregnancy it's the mother bonding with the baby the, you know the mother's got the appointments the mother goes mm. all the scans not all fathers mm. are able to go with for every appointment and the mother mm. gives birth to the baby there's mm. there is a connection between baby and mother that father and baby just don't have mm. and and how fathers feel about that mm-hmm. well i think this is a really critical point um we know that sometimes fathers can feel a bit excluded from this whole process I think it's um, very important for mums to keep, even if father isn't physically present, say, for example, at an appointment or in the day when she's pregnant, perhaps to talk to baby about daddy, to keep, this may sound strange, but to keep daddy in, in baby's mind, yeah, mm. to keep him present, to keep him as an alive figure. Um We know that huge things happen to fathers during pregnancy and when they become fathers and when the baby is born. Um, Physiologically, they change. You know, testosterone levels drop. There is such a thing as postnatal depression for fathers. You know, we do need to be attending to dads. Um, Dads can play such an important role if they're allowed to. And... That can be in supporting mum, but also by beginning to have his own emotional relationship and participation with the baby um, through all the things that we've talked about, the holding, the soothing, the containing, the sharing, the talking. Yeah, it's, 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 they, they can still connect in the same ways, but more so, I would think, afterwards. It's it's easier when the baby's here for them to be able to do that. It it is, I suppose, but in all the activities, mum. I mean, obviously, father's not by mother's side every single moment yeah. of the pregnancy. <laughs> so, mum, mum has baby with her all the time. So, you know, that's a reality. But all the things that mum does, you know, like the stroking, noticing the kicking. Um, talking to the baby, singing to the baby, um, having a name for the baby. All of those can be participated Mm. in by dad. But dad also holds his own role for the baby, as in, you know, when dad goes to work, he's working to provide for his Mm. baby. So they may feel it in different different ways. Um, But they're still, you know, they're not stroking and stuff, but they're still, you know, baby is also in their mind. Yes, I think baby is in their mind and and that's important that everyone's in each other's mind. (laughs) But I think it's also important that there's emotional participation when there can be. And there can be. Yeah. Yeah, I have heard a lot of men say they find the beginning stage they're a little bit out. Mm. But once the baby starts interacting with them, mm. they all of a sudden, you know, they they really start to mm. develop 
this relationship on a one-to-one basis mm. with the baby. Yes, but perhaps dads also need to be educated about mm. the things I was talking about earlier, yeah. which is let's observe our baby. You know, dad, come and let let's yeah. let's see what what baby can do. Look, mm. if you stick your tongue out, baby will yeah. stick his tongue out too. You know that there needs to be some sort of yeah. maybe possibly more education yeah. around that. I guess we can't get away from the fact that if a woman is breastfeeding, I was just thinking that that that, but but father can after the feed or before the feed, father can be involved. Father can be involved in supporting mother in that, making her comfortable, mm-hmm. still talking to the baby. He doesn't have to be completely on the outside. He can. You know, we talk about the the third. He's a very important third, mother baby. Father, it's very important. And I guess doing this sets that template within that own baby, within that baby for the next, you know, the next generation as well. Yes. Which is so that there could be angels in the nursery. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, it's just such an important, such an important part of baby's life. I mean, we tend to think, okay, I mean, we, we can see them as people, but... Mm-hmm. To think about what's going on in the baby at that moment mm-hmm. of you know of birth of those first few weeks and and how much it's setting up the baby for their own life. Mm-hmm. I think that's yes. something that we and need future to think about. relationships yeah, absolutely. Mm. But also, this is all. This is the. This is also very culturally imbued. Yeah. Yeah. So different cultures have very different um, attitudes to um, raising babies. And in some, it's very much about the village raising the baby or, you know, fathers are very present in in other cultures. They're not. So I think we have to be sensitive to um, different cultural mores. Absolutely. I wanted to say that, you know, we can contain our babies through holding and I also gave the other examples of containing babies through all the other methods, mother ease and yeah. eye contact and all those sorts of things. But actually talking to the baby, creating a narrative, saying, oh, mummy's just going into the kitchen to put on the kettle, that actually keeps you attached. It, it, so sharing the baby with what you're doing, you know, making yes. your bottle now, you know, yes. I'm going to go find a nappy yes. to change you. Because some mothers yeah. find it very difficult. They feel a bit awkward talking to a baby. Some women report that, I I feel awkward saying that, you know. I feel awkward talking to the baby. That's interesting. I guess it also comes down to seeing the baby as as a person, mm. as in if you had another person in the room, you wouldn't ignore them for, mm. you know. Exactly. You, you know. say, I'm just nipping yeah, I'm just, to the loo yeah, exactly. or I'm just nipping to the exactly. kitchen. And so you would do the same as yes. your baby. I think that's been one of the most interesting points that we've discussed today is treating a baby even a very very newborn as another person like mm. you said you wouldn't just vanish from the room mm. if there was another person you'd exactly. say oh i'm just running to get something and then mm. you would come back mm. and by treating a baby as if it's an actual mm. person mm. Yeah. that can in itself develop a relationship yes and another thing that i think is important is if you think of it in terms of a brand new relationship, you don't know the capacities of this baby, the sensitivities of this baby. Imagine meeting a person for the first time. It takes time. You don't instantly know how they work in the world. <laughs> you do 
you do learn your babies. Yes, you, you spend, get to know. Yeah, you really get to know your baby. Yeah. Who is a unique, different exactly. from your last baby, yeah. different from exactly. your friend's baby. <laughs> exactly. Thank you, Sue. This has been really, really interesting and such an important topic um, that we're really pleased to be able to do a podcast on. So thank you for joining us. Um, and if you want to carry on the conversation or find out more about what we do and how we can support you, get in touch with us. Uh, you can call us on 0300-222-5764 or if you prefer to send us a message, you can email us at office at We listen, we care, we're here, let's talk.